When the tales about Daniel were compiled into the book that bears his name, things were really bad for the Jewish people. It was the early 2nd century BC. The Greek Seleucids, one of the descendant kingdoms of Alexander the Great's empire, were the overlords of Palestine. And at that moment, they were led by Antiochus IV Epiphanes, whose name means God Manifest. You think leaders have a big ego now. It's a long history of that. Yes, Antiochus was in that great tradition of ancient kings who claimed to be God and or descended from the gods. It was a way to legitimize their authority, an ancient divine right theory of governance. But Antiochus did not see himself as a tolerant, beneficent kind of god. Oh no, as the Seleucid kings did before him. No, Antiochus demanded uniformity and total obedience. According to the books of the Maccabees, which are part of our Apocrypha, Antiochus plundered the temple in Jerusalem. He sacked the city, enslaving the women and children. He forbade rituals and rites and rituals commanded in the Torah and set up a shrine to Zeus in the temple, compelling his worship as the supreme god. And then to cap it all off, he sacrificed a pig on the high altar of the temple. I shouldn't need to tell you why that's really, really bad. Even if the Maccabees embellished some of Antiochus's deeds, the fact remains that he was determined to forcibly assimilate the Jewish people. So the stories about Daniel in the court of in a foreign court, you know, dealing with um, foreign intrigue and oppression, make a lot more sense when you know the historical context of the compilation of the book. Just as Daniel had to face the lions, though he did nothing to deserve it, so the Jewish people throughout history have faced, had to face many lions like Antiochus. And all who belong to God have to face lions. We have to deal with them. Early on, this was quite literal. The Romans loved killing Christians by throwing them to the lions in the Colosseum. In our age, the lions are more metaphorical. The pandemic is a lion that we've had to face for the past eight months. And that we'll have to continue to face, whether, whether we want to or not. None of us want to, but it's just something we have to deal with. Other lions include civic unrest, family difficulties, loss of income, loss of loved ones, cancer, addiction, all of the isms that elevate one group of people above another. Even Jesus had to face lions. In our reading from the gospel, the religious leaders want him dead. Pilate, kind of like King Darius, is portrayed as powerless. Unlike Darius, I doubt if Pilate's hesitancy is engendered by any admiration for the condemned. Rather, Pilate seems dismissive, almost as if Jesus isn't worth the trouble to kill. Pilate and Herod even trade Jesus back and forth in Luke's gospel, hoping that the other will do his dirty work for him. In the end, Jesus has to face lions greater than anyone has had to face. 
The sin of the whole world was his to carry on that cross outside of Jerusalem's walls. Abandonment by his friends. Abandonment by God. Jesus had to face those lions and be devoured by them. But that was not the end for Jesus. And even if we are devoured by our lions, it will not be the end for us. What must have gone through Daniel's head when he heard about the decree? Daniel could have been cautious. He could have closed the windows, prayed secretly, tried not to stir up any trouble, kept a public life and a private life like so like most of us have to do. But he doesn't do that. He makes sure that he can be seen offering his prayers each day. Daniel knows there's a trap, and he walks into it anyway. Daniel's story is much like that of his compatriots, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They could have avoided the fiery furnace simply by bowing to the the ridiculous statue that Nebuchadnezzar set up. But it's a matter of faith. It's a matter of witness to the world, of being true to God and true to themselves. It's about identity. There is one greater than any human on earth, no matter how powerful he or she is. Even though Nebuchadnezzar and Darius had the power of life and death, they did not have ultimate power. They had no power over what makes the human human. They had no power over the soul. The part of ourselves that, as my pastor once told me, doesn't want to pretend anymore. No, they would rather face the lions or the furnace than betray their identity in God. That has been true of God's people throughout history. That was true of the Jewish people time and time again. It's true of Jesus who went to the cross to free humanity from slavery to sin, death, and the devil. To shirk that would have been a betrayal of his identity as son of God and son of humanity. As one of the letters of Timothy says, he cannot deny himself. And being the people of God we are, freed and forgiven, we're called to do the same, invited to do the same. Invited to stand fast in the one who is the center of who we are. In this difficult age, beset as we are by lions, and there are a lot of them, and facing the prospect of having to endure them for some time to come, God calls us and invites us to remember who we are. We're rooted in Christ. We have been united with him in his death and resurrection. Because of Christ, we are children of God. That identity is worth more than anything we can dream of, and nothing is worth exchanging that identity for. So in this time of life among the lions, Christ gives us hope. We have hope because Christ tells us there's more to life than the lions we have to face. This pandemic will not last forever. Neither will the other difficulties we endure. Because of Christ, we have hope for the future that this isn't all there is. 
Our destiny is with him. Let's live as the children of God we are, with bravery and fortitude for the times ahead, with trust and hope in the one who saves us. Let us pray. Lord God, your servant Daniel faced the lions and you delivered him from death. Deliver us too from the lions we face. Remind us that whatever happens, you have us all in your hand. Amen. Thank you.